Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Emergence. It's Michelle Wong here, and I have such a beautiful guest for you all today. Dr. Juliana Hauser is joining us by way of Kentucky. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> Juliana is a, or Dr. Juliana is a um, marriage and therapy, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll do, marriage and family therapist, yes. <laughs> marriage, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I am so excited to dive into um, today's interview. And for people who don't know, Dr. Julie and I, Juliana and I met uh, at Camp Soldust. And so I've interviewed so many amazing people through Camp Soldust, and uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. Yay. Very excited. Yeah. And so I remember, like, when I think of you, honestly, I think of you as a sexpert. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> because during camp you um you did workshops on just I think it was Tantra 101 also like body love and body image um but I just love how real and authentic you are and in in terms of talking about sensuality sexuality and so it's such a rich topic and something that can be so taboo yes mm-hmm Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled. Soul Dust is such a beautiful community of people, and I, I feel so fortunate of how many lovely souls have come into my life because of Rachel and Soul Dust, and you are one of those. Um, and and I feel fortunate that Rachel allowed the topic of sex and sexuality to be part of the discussion there. Um, it is, uh, it's such an important thing for me and, and sometimes I'll get the reaction like that. I seem to be an unlikely person <laughs> to be talking about sex and sexuality, which is interesting. I mean that, you know, again, there's so, so much value stuff involved in it and, and people have so many, uh, shoulds and shouldn'ts involved with sexuality. But, um, but I, I like my journey into the topic because I think it represents so many people's journey into it that in some ways is if, if I can do this and if something that I have made important in my life, then you can too. And it's knowing this topic and not just through my work and through education, but knowing it in my personal life has changed my life drastically. And I like, I like um, telling people and showing people that it can happen in their life too. Mm. How did you get into this work? I realized, I mean, I was always a curious kid. Um, it, the topic of masturbating or my body or um, what sex was, was always interesting to me. And I wasn't afraid to ask. Now I was shut down quite a bit about that. And so I learned pretty quickly it was a shameful thing and maybe it was a bad thing um, to other people thought that, but it never stuck with me. I always still felt like, but well, this is normal. And this is okay to be asking. I just learned there were some people you could say it to and some people you couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted that to be different. Uh, probably the most impactful thing 
coming into uh, as I came of age was when I was in college, I had a group of girlfriends who we shared everything with. And it was, to me, it was like the biggest freedom that I could have had. I had a pretty strict um, household growing up, but with this group of women, we, we all had different backgrounds. We had different sexual backgrounds. Um, and that didn't matter. In fact, it enriched our discussions. Now, if you were to, like, and my, my, we're still very close friends. When I tell them this, they're like, really? You've made this big of a leap from our conversations after like a fraternity party or like, you know, the Tuesday night hookup. And for me, yes, because I saw that the environment that we created was you needed to have safety to be yourself, to be able to ask questions and to be able to share your experiences so that you could be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And when you're vulnerable about your sexual life and your sexual questions, then you really could learn so much more about who you are. Mm -hmm. And it took me years to refine how that how that worked and what it was about each other that made this happen. But eventually when I was getting my doctorate, um, I used my experience with these women to start a class for my dissertation. And I, everything was based on our discussions mm. and it was risky. It took a year to get it approved. Um, but it was, I'm still in touch with the, I taught it for many years. I'm still in touch with almost all the women from that original class back in 2004. And uh, it's, it is, uh, again, it changed my career. It changed my life because I, I was forced to put into an academic world what was personal, mm-hmm. and and it and it worked. Women, in particular, the first time I taught it was just women um, were hungry to talk about their sexual selves and to talk about things that were celebratory and things that were he- places of trauma or healing, mm-hmm. and to normalize it for themselves. And pretty desperate to feel, um, to be able to ask questions without shame, to have a place that you could ask, this is happening to me. This is what my body is doing. This is what, what isn't happening. And and what does that mean? And to, to own that, um, with your truth and then stand and stand next to somebody else who has a different question, um, a different part of shame or different part of celebration and not to be threatened by that to be, but to be enriched by those differences. And that's how I've kind of carried all of my classes is creating a place of let's, let's celebrate our differences. Um, but also find our commonalities in a place of vulnerability and safety. Mm, That is so good. And it's so needed. Like I just remember like growing not growing up maybe like, but in my twenties when I started like wanting to learn more of like, well, how does one, like, I know the mechanics of like sex, you know, but it's like, how, <laughs> like how, and like all of like the real stuff, I was like, I have nowhere to go. Like, I don't know like who to ask. Um, and it felt weird just like Googling it on the internet. <laughs> yes. And so I think like the work that you're doing is just so incredible because it's, without that safety and trust, it's hard to like, you know, open up. It is. And then we can't learn and, and we can't grow because we're holding on to the negative parts of things and not removing that so that we can have more joyful, pleasurable, authentic, authentic parts of ourselves. And, and that's something that when I started, so that was back in 2004 that I really, I was doing that class and refining it. And I'd say maybe five or six years later, I started looking at what is my definition of sexuality? Like when I kept saying about sex ed or I was teaching about sex, it didn't feel enough um, because I realized 
our sex lives, our sexual selves was so much more than either preventing pregnancy or STIs or what our reproduction system was doing um, or what we were doing with our body sexually. It just, that didn't feel full enough. So um, I, I started looking at holistic sexuality and everything changed for me when, when I started looking into that part of, of myself and realizing that to me, I think sexuality is the, the purest form of our authentic self, our essence of who we are. Mm. Like the journey into learning about your sexual self is really a journey of learning who you are. Mm. So well, how would you define holistic sexuality? Yeah, so a holistic sexuality means that you're look well, I mean, in general, it's like looking at sexuality like in a big thing. So, how I've broken it down, there's this guy um, called uh, Dennis Daly, Dr. Dennis Daly, in 1981, a long time ago, came up with, he was the first one to start putting holistic sexuality uh, in the conversation. But it was, it's, it was old and it was a white guy. And so it needed to, to be broadened. Um, and several people have done it. What I have, he took five um, parts of sexuality. I've made it into nine. And for me, um, I put in the very center of what sexuality is, is sexual agency. And that word, I, I'm trying to find another word because it, it throws people a bit, but really what it means is that you, you know that you, you know how to make a decision. So let me, actually I'll, I'll go back to that. I want to be able to say something about that later. Um, holistic sexuality, like the circles of sexuality that I have talk about pleasure. Uh, we look at all pleasure in our life, look at desire, um, look at love and connection. It's, um, what you do with the behaviors and practices, like what you're actually are doing physically with your body. It's your identity, your gender identity, your sexual orientation identity. It's your health and reproduction. Um, and there's, there's nine of those different parts that when you dive into each one of those and have the sexual agency as the hub, then um, you have a fuller sense of who you are sexually. And what I've learned is because sexuality is so valuated and has so much shame and stuff attached to it, that if you can dive into this part of your life so in depth, you can use the skills that you take into sexuality and move it into all areas. So you can move it into business. You can move it into your spiritual self. You can move it into your other relationships in the same kind of process. Um, so, uh, the other part of looking at your sexuality holistically is that you realize that you need to know your, yourself and your sexuality and how it relates to other people. Mm. And that is not, our sexuality is individual, but it's collective as well. And we collect our memories, our messages, our values along our way, depending on who and what we're um, associating with and what we are exposed to in it. Mm. As you're talking, I was just thinking like one, like a woman who is in touch in her with her sexuality and sensuality and she's like confident with it it totally changes like who she yeah. is is like another energy to her and how she relates to other people and you can feel that and i've always like like you you know you think about like the beautiful like women who's like just fully embodied um and it's it's true like with like with our histories and our traumas and all that it can really impact how we see ourselves Right, with the desire like even though the word desire can have like oh it's a taboo word like yeah <laughs> it's so crazy yes and pleasure pleasure mm -hmm. usually is, the, is one that people find very taboo between about self-pleasure or just seeking pleasure in your life it's like who are you 
to do that. It's like, how dare you embody that? But you know, it's right. So it's interesting. Like when you say like a woman who has, uh, is in touch with her sexuality, like there's, there's just a feel to it. Like when I had this course called finding sexy and it's interesting how the word sex and I taught it at sold us actually mm. had a hard time coming to it. People coming to it. People were so put off by the word sexy. And so I was outside the door going, come on in. You know, like, <laughs> I don't fight. I promise. And then I, then I had to change. It was like, okay, so why don't you want to come to this workshop? And they're like, I don't like the word sexy and it does not resonate with me. So I was like, okay, that's what we're going to talk about. Let's talk about what the word sexy is and what it means and why there is a finding of it. And for me, I change out the word sexy with spark, like finding the spark in you. And same thing with sexuality. I change the word sexuality to your essence. So, but the word sex and sexuality, when you say like for a lot of people, um, unless they've done the work in, in this topic, when you say a woman who is sexually confident People think that means a woman who's just getting it and, and like seeking it out and initiating it all the time. And that may be part of her sexuality, but really we're talking about a woman who knows who she is mm -hmm. and is confident with who she is. And she is allowing herself to connect with somebody else and for them to see it. And there is something extremely sexy and drawing in and connecting with somebody who is like that. Yeah. And there's like a lot of power in that. Like when even like, like not even afraid of her body. You know what I mean? Like even for me, like I get really nervous if there's a little bit of cleavage and it's like other people, like they don't care. Right. And it's just like, Oh, I just noticed the contrast. Uh, I'm like, Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to say is, Oh, that's so interesting. Like just remaining curious. I always tell people just to be like a pioneer in their own life and looking at what there is like, just stay curious yeah. um, with what comes up for you without judgment. Um, of what, why that's the case. Yeah. I love hearing you say that. That's great. I, I wanted to say like the thing about sexual agency, which is a part of the holistic sexuality. One of the things that I found um, when I was doing research with this class um, in a college level is that I, so many women in particular were saying that their sexuality was just happening to them, that they weren't having an active place and active decision-making in their life. And I was like, oh, that, that's interesting. Okay, like, well, I wonder where, where that is and why that is. And so I stepped back into how are girls, young women, taught how to make decisions in their life? Mm. And what impact does that have? And particularly in their sexual life. Or, and if you think about your sex ed or even a lot of the discussions that you would have with friends and family, how to make a sexual decision is rarely a part of that conversation. And... I started trying to find, um, at one point I was doing this research as to like what made people sexually confident, what made them feel good about themselves in a sexual sense. And it, it, I was having the hardest time finding that variable that was standing out. It wasn't what the sex acts were or weren't. It wasn't um, her level of spirituality. It wasn't her family of origin. Finally, I asked the right question and it was, did you feel like you had a choice? And that isn't necessarily just about assault and rape, although obviously that's a part of it. But did you walk into a sexual interaction with yourself or with somebody else and realize that you had a choice to make? And that was the deciding factor. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if she and then eventually went, and I brought other genders into it, um, yes or no. And how they answered that made it all the difference. And then I took it further, which was, 
okay, so if you walked into a situation that you thought you had a decision to make and you, did you feel like you could make it? Like, did you feel confident that you could make that decision and you had the skill set to do it? Then did you enact it? Did you make that decision? And then the last thing, and this took years for me to find this last part out too, because all of it was tracking. And then, then there would be like a story that didn't add up to where I was going in my research. And the, the final piece of it was, did you also know that you could handle the consequences of your decision, mm. the intended and the unintended parts of it? And for those who could say, yeah, I was aware, I was aware that things could go awry. I was aware that I couldn't control this person or this person's reaction uh, or even myself. Those are the ones that felt a more positive view of themselves and their history than those who, who didn't have one or all of those parts of making a decision. And that's why I put sexual agency in the middle of it. Mm, that's good. It's like, yeah, the, the choice, we don't really talk about that. Mm -hmm. And like, how do you make a decision? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you for just, you know, breaking that down. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's interesting. And you have to, I think you kind of have to sit with it too. And, and I think like once you get that concept, then it's really interesting to go back into stories um, and experiences that you had and think, ha, huh. and those are often the healing points of, um, and it, again, like what my, what I may feel is traumatic or hard may not be what you think is. And I've always found that to be interesting too, that like a, a, someone will tell a story and I'm thinking like, oh, I have so much empathy and that must've been so hard. And they're like, but it was no big deal. I was never to do that again. I was like, oh, oh, how cool. Okay. I would maybe been on the floor, no judgment, but like that would have rocked me because of this, this, and this, or then I'll tell a story and they're like, really interesting. Like, yeah, that wasn't, that wouldn't bother me so much. And I, I, I think that's so neat mm. to see the differences of that. And again, if you go back and you sift through it, it will often be the choice in it mm. that some, some choose things other than, than other people would choose. And that's the beauty of our differences, but that's also what makes understanding sexuality of your own sexuality and sexuality in general. So confusing. It's not a, it's not a one for one. It's different for everybody because yeah. our essences are all different. Yeah. And like, there just, there's not a lot of opportunities to talk about it. <laughs> No, there isn't. Yeah. People don't ask the questions um, so that you can. And sometimes we need that. We need the permission and the space for someone to ask us. And then we just start talking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm lucky in that. Um, and because I've taken like this, um, I guess, I don't know. It's like Mama Gina School of Womenly Arts. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's great. Yeah. yeah. I took her back like 10 years ago. And so, like in Seattle area and also online, but like there's just, I have a community of women that I could just, if I have any personal questions, it's safe and I can ask. Yes. Um, and so I feel fortunate that I have like access to that. But um, before so that, you, I was like, it was awkward. I want to give you credit. You made access for yourself too. Thank you. And, and that's important because it doesn't always just fall in our lap. Sometimes mm -hmm. we have to make, take those risks. What you did in taking her course and, and I don't know if you went to a live event, but yeah. th those are transformative. And it's a risk to do that, but you will, you knew that it mattered, even if you didn't know exactly what was going to happen or where the community was going to take, cause I'm sure you didn't, no. but how great it is. And that you take the risk to ask those questions in a safe community. That's so beautiful. Thank you. It. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I just, it's important. And I, I, that's why it's like, 
um, what you were creating. And even you have courses right now that are online that I, I think touches upon like the opportunity. Um, yeah, it's just if like the vulnerability definitely opens up when you feel safe and then you can ask. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's key to it. Yeah. I'm curious. So for your dissertation, what was the actual topic? Well, you know, with dissertation, like they make it the top, you know, the title, I don't even remember my title, the title. It's so complicated and it had words that I probably okay. can't find at this point. But what I did was I, I took the class and I, I mean, I, what I really wanted to research was what's going to happen when you can talk about sex. Mm. That's ultimately what it was, but that's not academic enough for, for your PhD. So I, I needed to add in, like, was it going to change your ego development? was um was the concept of yourself going to change by diving in a safe in, in a safe environment into the world of sexuality and uh and it did it, it was a small sample size so i couldn't necessarily find like some huge statistical um changes but it was there but my favorite part was i let my dissertation defense be public and i had students come to it and uh wanted like they were clapping at some points and when they came down for like you know there's they your your committee is supposed to grill you and, and and be very hard on you and they were already there to like defend this is so important this is so worthy and it was so lovely to know i had i mean i i, well, I, I think i had like 50 people there but um to know that I had my students there who were like, this changed my life mm. and this matters. And that, that was the best outcome for me of thinking like I one that obviously like I helped people in, in that way, but that my theory and a bit of my shame too, that I'd had growing up of like, this topic is shameful. Mm -hmm. This You are weird for thinking this topic is something that you should be talking about. If I felt it, I was told it. And in that moment um, of having just my dissertation completed and, and having my students there saying, this matters, this topic matters. And now that's translated to the work that I do now, which is I love saying to people, your story matters. Mm -hmm. Your sexual story matters. And, and I want to hear it. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I, you know, like for myself, I can say that um, I grew up Catholic. And so my relationship with like sex and sex before marriage and after like all of that, I was like, really, I don't know, like kind of confused, but also when I was Catholic, I was solid in my beliefs. Yes. Um, and when I've, you know, I'm no longer Catholic, but it was just like coming to terms of, okay, well, what is it that I want and what do I believe in? Um, and it's like, I find like... I find sex to be healing because I've also experienced sexual trauma when I was, you know, young. And so it's like, this is such a great topic because it's so rich. And I, yeah, I mean, like you talk about Tantra, right? Or Tantra. And yeah. like, that's supposed to be healing in and of itself. So I like when it's, I guess, done right, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it is. I, I love, I love teaching. Like I'm not a tantric expert, um, but I like, making tantra the concept of tantra accessible uh to like the everyday person and um how to incorporate it into your life and, and into your sexual connections and behaviors i i love teaching that workshop too it's i it is it's challenging for a lot of people because it's very intimate mm -hmm. um, and it's a different way of a feeling intimate um with somebody 
Um, and, and I like teaching it when it's not even necessarily romantic or sexual partners. I've had friends do it and partner up and, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And again, challenging to show up with somebody so, um, so exposed in such a beautiful way. Um, the other thing, like one of the things I also like about Tantra too, is that we, we talk about touch and now obviously with what's going on, I mean, touch is such an interesting thing. Um, and I think we are all experiencing what, um, what kind of touch we like and don't like. And Tantra takes that to a deeper level also. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because when I was doing my yoga teacher training, ta Tantra came up. And mm. it's really about yeah. embodiment and being present. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is interesting because I always tied, you know, Tantra to like sex. Um, yeah. But it doesn't sting. Everyone, a sting is like the one everyone talks about, but it's, it's not, that, that's the small part of, of what, what Tantra is. Yeah. 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 It has such a great connection with yoga, breath work and embodiment. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, what, like, I'm curious, like women, when they come to you, like, what do you see as like, maybe like the most common, if there is like, is it body image? Is it confidence? Um, I, I, there definitely is a wide range. I mean, because I do think almost everything starts and ends and are somehow related to sex and sexuality. Um, and of course I have a self-selected group of people that come to me, but I, and I work with things from all topics. It, I do, but some people will come to me for an, a different topic. Like they'll come to me for anxiety, but then after a couple of weeks of working together, we're talking about sex mm -hmm. or we're talking, they come to me about sex. Then we end up talking about other parts of things because everything inside and outside of our sexual lives is related. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say probably the most common question I'm asked is, is this normal? Mm -hmm. And just because you Google can take you to a certain place and there's a place for it. I mean, I do think that is, it's so interesting. Like when I talk to the generation that grew up with the internet and never knew anything without it, when they're like, who, what did you do when you couldn't like privately go to Google and ask, yeah, we suffered it quietly or we whispered to each other. It was hard. Very hard. So I, although, you know, doc, doctor Googling can be really hard and traumatic like to look at pictures and to like read shit, you know, but, uh, but I think there's a, there are, there are, there's some really good things about being able to research and have your hands on different articles and experts and courses and that kind of stuff. But you can't necessarily get the answer to, is this normal, this specific thing about me normal, mm -hmm. uh, is this normal for me that, and I, I think that could be one of the most healing things. And then um, I, I guess the other underlying thing too is um, having someone witness that what you've gone through, um, either hard or good, um, uh, is relevant mm -hmm. to their life or, or to life in general, just feeling like, does this matter? And I'd say those are two like overarching things. And then within the like, specific topics of sex and sexuality, it usually goes into one or two things. It is about like uh, pleasure and orgasm that uh, like I can't orgasm. I don't know if I've orgasmed or I, you know, I, I don't, I want to do it better or differently, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, or it is a desire of I've lost my libido, my, my libido has changed or I have more libido than my uh, mismatched with my partner. Mm -hmm. And what do I do about that? Mm -hmm. Those are probably the most common specific topics that I'm asked. Mm. Um, I mean, I know that there's like, I've been 
in terms of like talking about sex and sexuality, like I've been pretty like, you know, women and men, and I know that there's, you know, there's trends and all that. So I want to just honor that. Um, yeah. cause my next question is about men. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, do you like, do you work with men in terms of like on your practice? And do you find that the conversation changes, uh, you know, versus when you're talking to women? Cause I would imagine that men are more confident, but that's just my perception. Oh, I'd probably say the opposite. Oh yeah. 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 And I do. And thank you for honoring that there are all our genders and all sexuality, like on the, on the continuum too. And I work with all, all of that, which I, I find it to be an honor too, because it, um, the, uh, the community needs to feel safe in order to find other people that will talk mm -hmm. about it and be sex positive for all genders and all orientations. Um, so thank you for saying that. I would say like, you know how I described earlier that women were hungry to be asked questions and I use the word desperate um, I would say about um, being able to ask questions I would say men are um, and I use desperate in a very positive sense even though sometimes it's used as negative are desperate to talk about it too mm -hmm. so when men come to me I would say it takes so long for them to come to the topic and to ask for help that they are are desperate to get relief Mm -hmm. um, and insight and help for the topic. And it, uh, I, it pains me because, uh, men just don't have in general, don't have the, um, atmosphere, the environment, the practice to talk about sex and to ask questions about sexuality. Mm -hmm. They are more prone to be Googling it and to uh, seek support anonymously than to actually do a face-to-face -face and own it. I have tried to run a male group for decades and have not been successful and oh getting men together to speak about this topic um, and own it with their face and to to say it in in online or in person and i so well i'm not gonna give up keep going i'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm determined to get my group of dudes that are willing to talk about and i know there are and you know as we were talking about earlier about this um the thing i did with good men um this you know, what is a good man? I did, I was lucky enough to be exposed to a lot of other men who are very evolved and are having those conversations and are having their own groups. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one group in Bali that they're doing wonderful things and very open with each other, another in California in the Seattle area. And, um, and so that isn't as hard for them. They're, they're leading those discussions. Um, and I think men are going to men easier um, and those kinds of things, but they're having to practice how to be intimate with each other, how to say these things, how to talk about sex without it being a joke, mm -hmm. um, and how to talk about vulnerable things that have happened to them because men have trauma too that happened mm -hmm. to them and all on the, all on all sides of the continuum. Um, and, uh, and then to ask questions about it. Men often feel, and again, we're talking in generalizations, but men often feel they have to be experts. Mm. And they're not, um, just like no one is. And, um, but they just not, aren't, aren't given the permission to. So I, I, I some men are confident. So, so and same with women and, and all genders too. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. Cause it's always in my mind that, oh, like guys tend to be more confident, but that's just my own perception. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, but maybe not, not necessarily wrong perception. Cause I think some men feel they have to 
exude that. Yeah. That that's what's expected of them. That's a val that's one of the values of a maleness is to, and to me, some of the best conversations I've had is in the trans community mm. of having the topic of maleness and what does that mean? And femaleness of, you know, in the trans community, those, those questions have to be asked and answered. Um, and for the genders that, for those of us who are, um, feel alignment with the gender that we were assigned, we can take that kind of stuff for granted. Mm -hmm. And so they're not asked that we aren't, we aren't making intentional choices about how we're showing up in our sexual confidence to others or those kind of conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Well, I guess you mentioned Seattle, cause I think there is a good man project, like a community mm -hmm. of that in Seattle, but like even like in my yoga studio, like there's breathwork workshops. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe breathwork is a really gentle way to get into yes. like more of the deeper stuff. But we have like a women's breathwork workshop and then there's a co-ed one. And I think the woman who was leading it was finally getting asked by men if we could, if they could have a men's one. Ah, uh, just men. Ah, yeah. yeah. The yoga teacher was like, I wouldn't have never thought, but like I'm holding it and it's sold out. Like, you know, so that's yes. amazing. Yeah. I love hearing that. That needs to happen. It needs to happen for our world mm -hmm. that we need men to be able to uh, access that and to ask for it and, and to receive it. Yeah. What's, um, yeah. So like I looked at your website, um, and one of the beautiful things that I love is that you have interviews of, um, real men. I think it's called the real men project. It's good men. Yes. Good yeah. men project. Yeah. Man sorry. Man. Not real men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's like, what are some of the things that surprise you? I don't know if that's oh yeah that's a great that's a great question um i was surprised by how i got off the interviews feeling so endeared mm -hmm. to the men um and how easy the conversations flowed that it was um and how varied the answer was to what's a good man by the men itself. And then how I, I'd get off um, my interview and I'd write down my thoughts and like, cause I was ultimately looking at like, how would I, how am I going to define what a good man is? And then my thought was if I talked to all these different men uh, that other people have said are good or they thought themselves were good, I was going to have this huge concept and, and it was, it was going to be done. It was going to be de decided what's a good man. And I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily get that. Um, it, it really was, was different for each guy. Um, but I was, my, so I guess I'll give you my favorite answer. When I asked one of the guys, I said, what does it mean to be a good man? And he said, uh, a man who's learning. Mm -hmm. And it was such a simple answer, but I thought, I mean, that's kind of a good person, but, um, in particular, and he had a follow-up answers to it, but it was like a man who is wanting to evolve and is willing to be vulnerable, is willing to ask the questions, all the things that I really do subscribe to myself and like furtherment of personal development. Um, I, I, and I think that helped answer why the details were different um, depending on who I was speaking to. But all of the men that I talked to were, had parts of their life, if not all of their life, that they were really trying. Mm, I love that actually. I mean, like, cause no one's perfect. So it's like, oh. we can't box, like, there's no, like, what makes a good woman? Like, you know exactly. I mean? So, you know, the follow-up is that so I was, I used the word, the word good and the phrase good man, because it brought, it's so divisive. People, you know, have a lot to say about it. And so is strong woman oh. that those two words together are, have a similar, like, Hmm, it's not a benign thing to say good man. And it's not a benign thing to say strong woman. 
Yeah. Cause like a strong woman could be one that's incredibly vulnerable, you know, and, um, just not afraid to just, I don't know, like break down. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I mean, whenever I have a chance to get to the strong woman series, the, another thing I'd say, I guess I would be surprised about was how many men, because part of how I found these men was a people like volunteered them. It would say like, this person's a good man. Mm. And so I'd reach out to them and he'd be like, uh, <laughs> I, I, there, there's a line at the door of people who will call me a shithead oh, or, or whatever. Like I'm not, and I said, no, no, this is not perfect man project. This is what you said. Mm-hmm. No one's perfect. Yeah. I don't, I'm not interested in that. First of all, it doesn't even exist. I, I want to know what's good. And, and let's talk about the good in you. And I inherently believe that we all have good. So let's find the good in you. Let's hear it. And a lot, not all of the men, but a, more than I thought, had to figure out how to accept that there would be something public saying that they're a good man. Mm. That was fascinating. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting how like, um, how you're just saying like some of the men you reach out to are like, Oh, I've been called a shithead and all that. That's like, um, I don't know. It just, it changes like my, sometimes my perspective on guys in a way, like, you know, just like, that's very humbling actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they felt humbled that someone yeah. called them that. And I had several guys that were tearful about it, about being nominated or, or having to talk about it a couple, I think even in Mike's interview, he choked up. I think at one point mm. that you said that it was like, Oh, like this is, um, this means a lot. Uh, and some men who are like, wow, I need to do some work here on mm. accepting that I'm a good man. And that, that means accepting the, um, the challenges I've had and the things that um, maybe the mistakes I've made or the things that I've learned to do better or differently after this. And I respect that a lot. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I took a course like years ago it was a weekend workshop called, I think back then it was called understand, Cele- understanding men celebrating women by mm-hmm. Alison Armstrong. It's like the PAX program, which I love their work. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in the workshop, there was a men's panel and it's just really incredible to see, I guess, like the pressure we put on men, like, like, you know, and how they want to show up and who they are. Um, and as you were, ta- as you were talking, I was just thinking about like, cause I work with mostly with women. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not to say that I, I'm against working with men. It's just like, I just feel like women need to be lifted up right mm-hmm. and like we need to bring the men along with us because they're just as confused <laughs> yes. yeah it's just different it just it look it just looks and sounds different yeah but but there's there's a core similarity of needing that needing to be seen and wanted and understood mm-hmm. yeah and um so much from that that workshop i took it was really about communicating with men and understanding our differences uh, and like, I had to go back and find all those notes cause I'm in a new relationship and I'm just like, what is going on? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, it's because like, I'm not expressing a need. It's not like I'm angry because my need isn't being met. And if he's not responding, it's because he doesn't know, like he doesn't know. So he's not going to take action. And I'm like, Oh, then I just need more to be more verbal. Okay. <laughs> that's like, so great. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's just been really helpful just to understand that rather than labeling somebody as being a jerk or an asshole because yeah. they don't understand a woman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, it's, it's so much more peaceful and it, it is just, it's, it's a lot more effective um, to do it that way. And it says a lot about you that you, that you want to do that work also. That's great. 
Yeah. Um, I work with couples. I'd say 70% of what I do is teaching communication. I think that's like a big part of it. Like it, like that's like the crux of why things might not just, you know, misunderstandings because we put our own perception onto the other person and like, they should be like that. They should already know, but they don't cause they're not a woman. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So or they're not you or they're not you. Like I, I have so many yeah. people that joke, like, I just want the, uh, whatever gender you're attracted to. I want the, I want that version of me. And it'd be so much easier if they would just be like me in that. Uh, that's actually, yeah, that's funny. I don't know if that's true because I've been in a relationship with someone who I was like, this is probably the masculine version of me and I don't like it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because, you know, people will ask me about when you should get in a relationship after a breakup or that kind of thing. And I'll say, right. yeah, you need to work on you for sure. But you really want to work on you. It's, it's in a relationship. You're going to learn a lot different things about yourself in a relationship. Yeah, that is actually really true. Cause like, I was just thinking, well, if you really, really want to be happy, I don't know, like being like, if you want to be like problem free, being single is probably a good way to go. Right. Like <laughs> I, I, I know some singles who wins. I mean, it's, it's different for everybody. And, and I think it's, I, I really think the answer is, it's hard being human. I mean, mm. it just is. Yeah. It's hard being a human and it's hard interacting with other humans. And it doesn't matter if you're single or partnered or whatever that is that you, you are, you bump up against that all the time. That is true. And you just want to break a time, you know, you just want to just have something not be hard or the interaction not to be hard. And so yeah. when you get that, that breath of being by yourself or in a relationship that has ease in it, you're like, oh yes good yeah and then like appreciate it because it can change on a dime <laughs> <laughs> yes yes anchor that goodness yeah. and that ease because it doesn't last which isn't the bad i actually don't think that's the bad news it may feel bad at times but uh it it keeps us learning and growing yeah and that's actually when you were saying about like if you want to learn more about yourself being in a relationship i mean that's beautiful because it's like uh, I know for me, like a lot of my triggers are coming up and I'm like, this is good because it's not his fault. It's just my own perceptions, my childhood traumas, like all of the, you know, the stories that I have, I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, I got some work to do. Yes. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful response. So that's it's so great when someone like, Oh, good. I'm like, Oh, this, doesn't, this may not feel good, but this is good that I'm now getting to see a part of me. Mm -hmm. that needs to heal or needs to grow um, or, or I need to use as, as a strength, as a buoy into another part of me. And I do, I do think there's a lot of value of being alone in that there is growth that happens in your, in your independence. And that independence can happen in a relationship too. And you, you know, the most ideal is an interdependent to mm -hmm. two independent people that have a, a, you know, mutually decided upon union uh, what that looks like to them. That's, that's the ideal in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, you, you can't hide from yourself in a relationship. Mm -mm, you cannot. Um, but if you're single, I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. Right. It can be, it can be. Uh, again though, but you know, then I sit there and I think, well, I mean, I work with a lot of people who are single and, and they're in it too, oh, okay. they, you know, in those alone nights and, yeah. and, and think about it now too, of like how many people are alone right now, right. Um, even if they're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess it's never like one thing or the other. It's always, yeah. hey, there's so many like facets to everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Uh, it's such a pleasure, Juliana. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so happy to have this time with you, Michelle. It's great. Mm. So how can people learn more about you? So I'm on social media as uh, Dr. Juliana or Dr. Juliana Hauser. And um, I'm mainly on Instagram and Facebook. And then my website, uh, which is Dr. Then a dash Juliana uh, with just one n.com. So drjuliana.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. I like really like your, I think the moment that I met you, I just felt like you were someone I could absolutely trust and open up to. And yeah. And so like if anybody feels like the pull to want to reach out to Dr. Juliana, please do. She's amazing. And, um, I feel like no judgment from you, you know, everything is like, is like open door, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That, that's a high, high compliment. Thank you so much. Of course. And um, for those of you who are listening, please tag us on Instagram, share this episode and uh, review on the podcast. And I will love you so much for it, even if you don't. <laughs> and stay tuned for our next episode next week. Take care. Thank you. Join our free private Facebook group community, Sacred Emergence, to receive more connection, guidance, and support. And take part in our five-day inner confidence challenge to not only boost your confidence, but to help activate your inner leadership. Details in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.